0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Reflecting Value, the podcast where we ask the big questions about cultural value in a reflective space. You may notice my voice is a little different from the previous episodes in this series. I have a sore throat that I just cannot shift, which isn't great for recording purposes. But in this episode, I'm handing over the reins to Anna Wolfe, who's going to host a conversation with Daniel Regan and Bablu Mia to reflect on their experiences of the COVID-19 pandemic and how it's impacted on the people they work with and their own practice. I'm off to grab a LEMSIP, but I'll be back at the end of the episode. For now, over to Anna.
1: okay so hi my name is anna i'm from london arts and health and i'm really excited to bring uh, this special uh, edition of uh, the center for cultural values podcast uh, to you i've got two very amazing guests. With me today to chat through um, all things creativity, culture, and the pandemic. So I'm going to let Daniel and Bablu inter- introduce themselves, and uh, we're going to have a chat um, about how we have worked through the pandemic. So, um, hello, both of you. <laughs> hello. Hello. <laughs> um, Daniel, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your organisation?
2: Absolutely. So I'm Daniel Regan and I am a photographic artist and the founder and executive director of an organisation called the Arts and Health Hub, which is a not-for-profit organisation that supports artists working in the field of arts and health. Um, So we provide both practical um, professional development opportunities, but also um, look at affective and emotional support for artists working in the sector.
1: Amazing, thank you. Um, And Bablu, same question, if you can introduce yourself (laughs) and your your wonderful organisation.
3: So I'm Bablu, I run a company called Trapped in Zone 1, it's a -A BAME-led arts collective based in East London. So our aim is to engage with community groups and organisations through creative projects that we run and hopefully improve the health and well-being of diverse communities.
1: Thank you. Um, And I'm really interested to chat to you both, because I feel like there's lots of crossover in your practice, how um, you engage the people that you work with. But they are um, different groups of people. So, Bablu, you're kind of on the ground delivering work to young people in Tower Hamlets and around around, uh, London. And Daniel, you are kind of supporting um, the artists, the practitioners that might be delivering those workshops and those projects. so I want to kind of take you back uh, to the beginning of the pandemic. Yes, we're still in the pandemic. Um, and think maybe a bit about how your practice um, or your work changed when the pandemic first started.
2: Um, I remember in the initial first couple of weeks of um, the first lockdown, you know, as, as lots and lots of freelancers did, Um, lots of the artists that we support lost um, a huge amount of work and so um, we created space to just have weekly check-ins for artists to talk about the shared difficulties Um, but without any kind of emphasis on sharing any work but just to get together and see what was happening across everybody's lives Um, and that kind of really made me think about the the ecosystem of the artists that have been supporting participants for so long um, but were suddenly dropped Um, contracts were kind of dropped, um, work dried up and vanished. And so um, my organisation started to think about what can we do to support those artists um, emotionally, but also thinking about um, as people emerge out of the pandemic, what kind of professional development opportunities can we provide um, so that as things do open up, um, there's opportunities there or people have had time to kind of develop skills or invest in themselves. Um, That that led on to um, a much wider project which I can talk about um, a bit a bit later
1: great and I feel like in some ways the pandemic sort of accelerated um some of this stuff it kind of it brought to the the fore very quickly like some of the problems and and sort of structural issues and things that all artists practitioners maybe struggle with um and yeah, and, and same for participants as well, I guess, Bablu, like it suddenly really highlighted lots of inequalities, lots of maybe participants who haven't been able to access culture. Did you find that in your organisation, Bablu? Um,
3: yeah. so our work is my main, ma- mainly based on face-to-face public So when the whole pandemic um, started, locked and came to effect, our work stopped as well. So we couldn't do much. Um, never really heard about Zoom until then. So <laughs> we had to adapt straight away. How can we still stay connected, support the people that we support and make them feel like there's someone on the upper side who could, they could talk to, do some art as well and so forth and hopefully improve their way well, looking well, of being being. So we had to basically adapt straight away didn't have time so just had to kind of pick up on where we left off and see if we could just keep carrying on what we have done before the pandemic so having some supportive friends i managed to kind of kick kick start the work that we did um we got on zoom and thankfully somehow we just connected and using the power of social media we just reached out to participant and make sure that you know they could still take part and I know it's going to be on Zoom but it's still some something for them to do then mm-hmm. just be at home alone and thankfully yeah we just carried on we looked in different forms of ways in which we could do some activities where they could join each week and have some fun.
1: So Bablu did it kind of change maybe some of the practices that you were engaging with for example did you kind of shift to more like media based um, or filmmaking with your young people? Like how, how did that shift kind of happen?
3: So through researching at the time and seeing what was working, what weren't working, um, things along the line of showcasing films, which we haven't done before the pandemic, because everything was done within a room and it was all by a workshop. We never really showcased a film. So the pandemic gave us an opportunity when everyone was at home all day long to see films up on films up on films. Why don't we just put on a showcase of short films but made from the com- com- community, which they can see and learn about each other, ask questions and so forth. And that was something that we tried month after month. And somehow it just started to connect and click and work and so forth. And then Once lockdown sort of came to an end over the summer, we tried to move from Zoom into going outside and making short films, so we should carry that on. And that's something that we did. We engaged with young young people just trying to find out how the pandemic impacted them, what did they do. So like going to the park was really a great, great thing, which they learned just to chill out and so forth. So we made these short films. over over the summer and then we showcased that again when Mm. lockdown came into effect again and (laughs) yeah, we just carried carried that on so whatever we were trying to learn as we went went along we implemented that.
1: So making those kind of moments for your for your young people Mm. Um, and Daniel I know that you had um, you did some research with your your artists and practitioners and kind of asked them how they felt during the pandemic and that drove um some further work around kind of supporting supporting artists I wonder if you can talk a bit about that
2: yeah so I think um what I was seeing is lots of kind of surveying of how organizations had been impacted by COVID um but the sort of freelance um workforce wasn't really getting much of a say and particularly around Um, you know sort of financial support lots of freelancers were sort of left in the dirt and so my organisation works directly with artists it's um, artist-led um, for artists, mm. and um, we sort of mirrored some of the surveys that um, wonderful organisations like the Culture, Health and Wellbeing Alliance were doing, but where our questions were were obviously aimed at individuals and freelance artists. Um, so we were asking them, you know, what's been the impact of the pandemic, of course, financially um, and the impact on your work, but also the impact on your mental health. And then one of the questions that we asked was, um, what would you like to see from the sector in terms of support? And three of those things were um, mental health support, um, clinical supervision, and mentoring opportunities. And that really gave us the sort of evidence to go to Arts Council England, um, who funded a pilot um, project called the Support Hub, which was delivering exactly those three um, forms of support. So over a year, we were supporting um, 14 artists um, with lived experience of mental health difficulties through a peer-to-peer mental health group, um, we also provided clinical supervision for six artists that were working in um, stressful and demanding environments, um, such as hospitals and um, care homes, who are at risk of secondary trauma. And then we also supported three early career artists in arts and health, um, matching them up to three more experienced mentors. And so, for us, although it was a really tricky time, it gave us. Um, I guess, a push forward to think about ways to support artists, um, both practically and professionally, but also emotionally, um, and to think about the, I guess, the needs of the workforce. And I think that's a real topic of interest. I mean, it was a topic of interest a few years ago, but it's definitely been bumped up the agenda um, so that the care and support that we provide to participants is mirrored and paralleled um, with the workforce going forward. Because these artists are often holding, you know, really tricky, safe spaces, working with vulnerable community groups. Um, And we need to think about how the artists themselves, who are humans and experience emotions, as we all do, um, how how they're also taken care of so that they they don't burn out and are able to flourish in their work.
1: Amazing. And I think that's I think what you say is just so um, true. It's it's been a topic of interest but now there's like an acceleration and a real understanding that like caring for the artist practitioners is absolutely core to the work, to the practice in the way that we care for participants. Um, I wonder then, Daniel, as well, you also highlighted sort of mental health and how we are, um, you know, if we if we're engaging in creativity and kind of generating culture, exploring our own cultures, um, we often, you know, that can attribute to feeling well, feeling mentally well. And I wonder both of you, you know, did you sort of notice during the pandemic that the people you were working with were really struggling with their mental health? Like Bablu, did you find that the young people um, were struggling more and that they needed you even more during that, that kind of early period?
3: Um, through the conversation, yes. Um, generally, when you're young, you want to enjoy life. And when you're restricted, you can't see your school friends and so forth. It does have a huge impact. So, and you know, just generally just having someone to talk to, just to, you know, just share about how your day's going and then just feel like you're being cared cared about was something as our project continued week after week. We got to see that more and, you know, mental health, you know, been affecting young people for a long, long time because of food crime and education and how, exams really impacts on a young, young, young person. But when you don't have anyone to talk to, it just increases more and more and more. So having an outlet where you're in a safe space where you could meet people uh, people of the same kind of age and do something that you enjoy so, such as the arts, it really helps to kind of open up these things and express in a way that you find it harder to talk to about as well. So, mm-hmm us kind of doing that and the development I saw within the young people over like four weeks was immense from being, you know, really kind of closed and now to being open and about how they were feeling and they're quite proud about how they felt and so forth. It just shows art is just a massive platform that needs to be used in the right way. And when, when it does, the outcome is just huge. So for me, it was a great experience for myself to see, you know, the work that I do, does it actually work? Mm. And it clearly showed it does work. And we are just continuing that week after week after week now. So yeah.
1: And so um both of you kind of worked um differently as the pandemic kind of kicked in. Now, as we sort of fast forward a bit, uh two, three years in, um. Is there something or is that what are you bringing from those like, early moments that might sort of stick and stay with you in terms of how you um, kind of record or, um, yeah, kind of uh, take uh, how you kind of implement in your practice when you're working with your, your groups? What 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 has stayed and what what are you leaving behind? <laughs> um, because I feel like people are working more digitally. They're exploring different ways of also being inclusive, like how people might access um, creative workshops or support, et cetera, et cetera. But I also know that people are really fatigued <laughs> by Zoom and all these kind of uh, digital platforms. But is there what what's staying with your organisation and what are you going to leave behind, Daniel?
2: I think for us initially the work that we've been doing over the last six years um, is you know it's a it's a London-based organization so things have been very London-centric and very in-person and much like the rest of the world we've sort of embraced technology um, and digital ways of doing things but something that I really didn't expect was that the network of artists that we support um, has massively expanded due to COVID. Um, And that's because a lot of the activities that we were doing suddenly switched to being online so it's been really fantastic to go from around 300 artists um, at the beginning of 2020 to now having a thousand artists across the UK that are accessing all these different types of um, activities and workshops and professional development opportunities so that's been absolutely fantastic for us to see the growth Um, in terms of sustainability it's thinking about yes we're still a London-based organisation and yes when we run in-person events we will be in London because because that's where we are, but also thinking about how we can hold on to those people who have been able to find us, um, find other artists in the network and really discover their tribe. So thinking about um, the resources that we have to be able to work both in person and physically and digitally. And I think also as somebody who finds um, working sort of the majority digitally really tiring, um, I need to think about what's sustainable and what's reasonable for myself um, as the person that's kind of programming those things. Mm. Um, There are some organizations who feel really comfortable delivering everything online or everything in person. And I think we also have to respect the person that is delivering the activities. Um, There are, of course, like amazing um, um, increases in access and inclusivity. But we also have to think about the resources that organizations have available. Um, so for example, um, last night was the return of our, um, in-person artist peer groups, um, after 20 months. Um, and it was really exciting, but to be able to, for example, live stream, um, an event like that, which is really dynamic and conversational requires tech resources and human resources that we don't have available as a small organization that's just project funded. Mm -hmm. So I think going forward, um, we're thinking about what the challenges are to working in a in a mixed kind of hybrid approach. At the moment, it's possible for us to have something that's entirely in person or entirely digital um, and online. But the challenge is how can you make, you know, an in person event um, available to those online in the moment. Mm. Um, because the resources that takes are are enormous. It's not about not wanting to. Mm. We want things to be accessible and inclusive. It's about um, some of the challenges, I think, in terms of tech and resources. And I guess that's something that we'll consider every time we're putting in a funding bid. How can we get around this? How can we be more inclusive? Or how can we distill some of this information so that it can be shared afterwards online? Um, It's just the time and resource it takes to do that.
1: Yeah, I think this is an assumption sometimes, isn't there, that, you know, you can just kind of set up a laptop. It's really easy. And actually, the digital stuff is way more complicated and takes much longer than just actually being in a room and talking with someone face to face sometimes. So you're right. And I think, yeah, that I think it's about, yeah, how we how we hold those spaces and kind of respect that, actually to to, like you say to kind of be able to for example live stream or provide all that tech support is a is a huge role in itself but thinking um but also that the digital kind of offers us um kind of elastic ways of um sharing and disseminating information maybe beyond regionally where we're based Mm. Um, i
2: remember i was just gonna say i remember very early on in the pandemic being mm -hmm. in some kind of meeting with other artists and we were discussing the challenges um, some people were facing in terms of you know using new software and technology and without the training so you know their work had been shifted online but an organization hadn't supported them to even understand how to use zoom Mm. and I really appreciated um, one person's comment that she just said I'm just not doing it I'm just not delivering my work online because that's not how my work is meant to be experienced Mm. Um, I'm you know if other people want to do that that's fine but I don't want to and at the time I thought oh that's quite a strange comment but now I sort of really appreciate that we all have our own boundaries and limits of why we became an artist and what feels Mm. the best way to kind of deliver the work that we do Um, the the sort of natural assumption that everything can be done online or that an artist wants to do it online Um, I I sort of have a little bit of a pushback against that because some people just aren't comfortable in working in certain ways. Um, So I think we have to appreciate the, you know, the ways in which people want to work and can work and that somebody else will be delivering what you might need. um, And they might really enjoy doing that online or they might only like to do it in person.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And that there's there's space for all of that. And yeah, like you said, I love that. Just the pushback. (laughs) Like, actually, that's not my practice. That's not what I do. Bablu, I wonder, what, what what are you kind of bringing through from the kind of pandemic period, I guess, in terms of like practice? What will kind of stick in your organization? I know that you work a lot in person. You um, are kind of giving communities big kind of murals, art experiences and things like that. But there are any kind of parts of the pandemic that have actually been useful um, and benefited your participants in perhaps working more digitally, for example? Um. I suppose it has. So doing it online,
3: it meant I could engage with artists from across um, the country as well, that normally would find it hard to come down to where we are and run the work, workshop. So we work with artists in Germany, Spain, all over the place throughout the pandemic as well, where normally it would be quite hard for that to come to Jabba Jabba in, in a space. So doing that online, Participant got a broad range of um, experiences of meeting artists, either through Zoom, but, you know, like having a chance to talk to them, find out who they are, where they're from, why they do the stuff they do, what makes them happy, sad, and so, so forth. And it was really kind of great to kind of bring that together. And that only happened because we were at home and stuck. So um, <laughs> it just showed things can work. and. I have taken that on board and if there's an opportunity to continue that, then I will because most of our stuff is, you know, are done for face to face. So going back to Zoom again, I don't think it will be something that we would do instantly, but mm-hmm. if we have to, then at least we know we've got the skill set now to get onto that.
1: Amazing. And Daniel, um what is the future for arts and health hub what's going to be be next for your organization
2: i think sort of re-emerging into back into what feels a bit like real life is really exciting Mm -hmm. um and something that happened in in some of that sort of downtime where we couldn't deliver certain things so for example we we had um an Arts Council grant to deliver quite a lot of in-person activities across all different venues and of course that got put on pause, parts of it were delivered online, parts of it um, couldn't be delivered online and so there's a a real flurry of activity as we run a a number of events through February and March on the theme of unruly bodies but something that was really valuable was um, I guess the spirit of partnership across, across the sort of multiple lockdowns is where people were thinking about how to work together Um, and what that's meant for us is developing a really fantastic partnership with the south bank center um, who are really interested in working with us on on projects that support um, artists in the sector and it's also meant that um, we're now looking at delivering the support hub um, sort of 2022 and beyond um, much bigger Um, And also in different regions so that we would be delivering some of those support mechanisms, both in London um, with partnerships in Manchester. And then, of course, making sure that the same options um, to engage are available online. Mm. So we're really trying to think about the the benefits of, you know, working digitally and the access benefits um, and just the expansion and partnership opportunities, because there's absolutely um, sort of no slowing down the demand of the things that we're providing, um, I don't think we'll ever be able to meet the demand because artists are sort of desperate for this kind of support. Um, but we're thinking about how we can ex- expand out outside of London and begin to work with you know new and exciting partners in in other parts of the country.
1: Amazing, yeah. I, I really want to pick up on that um, idea of demand as well. I think even more so throughout the pandemic, that has been highlighted and increased. Um, you know, we are all kind of starving, I think, for like culture, creativity, connection. And, you know, Daniel, I've been to um, some of your events through- throughout the pandemic and the kind of the palpable sense, either in the Zoom room or in the in real life room of just like togetherness. And sharing and um, support just really gives you fuel. It makes you really feel really engaged with your practice and connected to the sector as a whole. Um, so that's really exciting to hear that you are expanding um, and and offering um, offering this support, um, you know, to more people across the country. That's fantastic. Um, and Bablu, what about you? What is the future for trapped in Zone One? What's what's going to happen next? For the short term.
3: Um... You know, fact that we've been working with young people, I want to give them a platform now to really kind of lead in running projects instead of us, but them to lead. So giving them a big say in how a project should be run, what they, you know, what we should do based on what they want us want us to do, and just see how we go. I mean, before the pandemic, we were, we we worked up north and so forth as well, but you know, because of the pandemic, that had to stop. So hopefully now we could we reach out again and go up north and do the stuff that we do in east but from 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 afar because a lot of people do see the stuff that we do and they really really enjoy it so they Mm -hmm. would like us to bring it to their towns so hopefully that opportunity will come back again and we'll get to travel and just showcase you know the work in east London, London does work and it could work for you 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 as well
1: um, I wonder, actually, um, Babli, if you could just quickly reflect on, um, you were telling me before we started recording about your latest mural, which is in Bow in East London. Um, how, how has that been going? How's that project been running this weekend? So
3: our project for Bow was for Black History Month. So whenever we do a project, we try to do something that impacts the community. Just doing something for the sake of it, just for me, just makes no sense as well we want to do something that really makes people alive appreciate their space and hopefully get people to get connected through a creative kind of a platform as well so uh, we were looked at quite a few sites as to where the project should take place um i never really worked in bow so it was quite a nice kind of place to go and mm. see and yeah we just had a kind of um, walk through around the estates and found this street where there's a big wall there but people just walk by they don't seem seem to stop and we just thought if we were to do a piece of artwork there maybe there might be a shift in people actually stopping to and just seeing something and talking to each other so over um october and so forth we did workshops and came up with like a theme of what the diversity of people in boroughs should be uh, how can we express that so working with some young young people they came up with the term of borough colors to celebrate the people there mm-hmm. and yeah so we made a concept a of the work which got approved by the locals and over the last two weeks we started painting that and just to see people walking by and stopping and smiling and enjoying the work and sharing their views about how last two years have been so tough and they never really have like, spent time talking to someone in case they caught the COVID and so forth. But now, because there's an artwork there, there's a, uh, a great excuse now to stop and talk and everyone appreciating their life slowly more and more and more. So the whole ethos about why creativity is important and how it really impacts community it was just great to see in person Mm. over days but hundreds of people just, just walking by and stopping and making some really nice comments about the work and how Bright it looks now when the street was quite dull, but now you've got colours and it's just amazing. And can they have some more and more and more? And <laughs> I'm like, we'll try and see what we can do. But, 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 but um, the whole point of this kind of project is to plant a seed mm. and see if it would grow. And clearly, inside the two weeks, the the seed has grown so big that we will come back again and do a lot more mm. things. But um, just a great experience from people Amazing. just like in, in, enjoying artwork and last two years hopefully will come to an end and people can enjoy each other's company and if that comes through through art then it's good, good completely mm. as well so yeah
1: I love that the value of the conversation as well like stopping and and talking to someone and Throughout the pandemic, obviously, actually being kind of in close contact and just talking to someone in real life has it's been difficult, hasn't it? We've had long it, periods where that has not been encouraged. No, um, I mean it was it was absolutely
3: huge. So yeah, yes yesterday when we finished 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 the work, this guy just came along and he goes for two years, he just haven't spoken to someone. So wow. but now there's an artwork there. He just said, I had an excuse now to come up to you and talk to you and just learn about this work and why you've done that work and once we explained the whole process of why we have done the work, he just felt so chuffed, like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it just, art oh, it just brings people to, you, get that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do and say. And when it does happen in a really bespoke way, it's, it's not planned. Yeah, The feeling that we get is just can't, you know, can't explain it, it's just amazing. So even though we do the work for participants the benefit that we get as well is just immense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that enabled us to continue the work that we do so it, yeah I mean for us it was the experience was huge as well so completely
1: fantastic and finally Daniel I wondered if you could just tell us about your unruly bodies season so you've got this kind of um uh, this series of events coming up starting in February and um, with Arts and Health Hub. I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about this.
2: So the Unruly body season is, uh, season of events is a mixture of um, online and in-person activities um, exploring the theme of unruly bodies. So bodies and minds that are in resistance, um, bodies that are different, bodies that are celebrated and denigrated. Um, and we have um, a number of online artist talks. Um, so with um, Claire Sunho Lee, who is exploring... Um, A particular project called Tell Me What I'm Remembering um, regarding um, uh, personal experience around disclosure of her um, having leukemia as a child um, that she didn't know that she actually had leukemia as a child. Um, So she had these kind of intrusive thoughts and memories, but couldn't quite place them until somebody accidentally disclosed that she had this um, condition when she was younger. Um, there's also Heather Agupong, um who uh, will be talking about her performance, which is called The Body Remembers, um, about black women's experience of trauma. Um, and then we also have um, Jamisha Prescott um, talking about her experience of living with a chronic condition and um, creating an online community um, in response to that. And so it's really um, platforming artists um, whose kind of minds and bodies are perhaps a little different to Um, You know, the sort of ways that we think people might be healthy or traditional and kind of pushing back and celebrating difference. Um, And we also have some in-person workshops um, in South London. um, And all this is leading up to the Unruly Bodies exhibition um, at Scene 15 Gallery in Peckham, um, which will be in March um, and that's with two artists. Um, one is called Liberty Antonia Sadler, whose um, illustration work explores her, her experience of being um, a fat queer artist um, and does these amazing um, illustrations all around um, body image and body um, acceptance and queer sexuality. And the second artist being um, Fenn Eddie Gardner, whose illustration work um, explores her experience of um, living with ADHD and the unruly mind so it's really exciting to work on um, a season of events um, bringing together both both online audiences but also in-person audiences so um, all the information regarding that is over on the events page um, on the arts and health hub website so i hope to see some of (laughs) you there
1: fantastic yes i've definitely signed up to a few events already it looks really really brilliant um and again i love that blend um daniel of having some things online and some things in person it gives us, the audience, like a real um, choice as to how we engage with the work, which is um, something that I have enjoyed (laughs) about the pandemic, I guess. As someone who actually likes to um, go to things online, I find that a bit easier in my life. Um, So thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, thank you to you both for talking um, and chatting to us about your organisations and how you've worked throughout the pandemic It's just been um, really, really interesting to listen how you've kind of innovated in each of your organizations and thought about the best ways to kind of um, keep um, participants engaged and hold participants, and also, you know, um, continue conversations about creativity, health, wellbeing, all of those amazing, brilliant things. Um, So thank you so much for chatting to me today and uh, speak to you soon.
2: Thanks for having us. Bye,
1: bye -bye.
0: There's a lot to take away and reflect on from this conversation. And I'd like to extend my thanks to Anna, Daniel and Bablu for having such an open and honest discussion about their pandemic experiences. Share your thoughts on this episode using hashtag Value on Twitter. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. See you next time.